Hi friends, you're listening to Make Out Already, a romance novel podcast. On this episode, we recap Mangoes and Mistletoe by Adriana Herrera. What do you get if you mix a little bit of Great British Baking Show with a little bit of Chopped, add in two Dominican heroines and lots of sexual tension, and a little bit of psychological baggage and unfriendly competition just to spice things up? You get this delicious novella. So, ya tu sabes, things are going to get really interesting because we're going to spoil this amazing book. Hey, Luz. Hey, Meg. How How are are you? you? (laughs) Jinx. I am good. I am. So, I opened my ancient laptop for the first time in literally like nine months. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And. The reason that I know that it has been nine months is that apparently it hasn't been off this whole time. It's and stayed alive? It's, I mean, it was plugged in, but oh, okay. I never shut it down. And I see all these word docs from when I first started working from home. Oh, yeah. And was working on my laptop. So it's been like nine months. And the reason that I opened it is because I need to try to clean up all the junk in it to see if I should use it for when we record our very special episode in a few weeks. Yes. Um, I'm very excited about this. And I also recently tried to <laughs> crack open my ancient laptop. <laughs> and um, I was trying to like put all my files on the cloud somewhere to try to like make the computer faster and I was just discovering all of these old files from like early college and high school Mm -hmm. it was like it was weird it was just like a time capsule because I hadn't used it in so long yeah so that's what I'm trying to do see if I can get it kind of functional and dig up where my microphone is because we record on our phones and and it works out pretty well yeah but uh we got to step it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We need to, let's, let's go to the next level. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> we're ready for that. <laughs> we're, we're stepping our game up. It's the great conjunction tomorrow. As of the date that we're recording this 2020 is leaving. It was a shit show yes. and we're going to do better next year. Do you have any solstice plans? Uh, so my plans are I'm going to do what Temperance Alden recommends for Yule, and I am going to get some Swiss cake rolls and some birthday candles and call it a Yule log cake. (laughs) I love it. And you love Swiss cake rolls, don't you? But yes, I love Swiss cake rolls. I can eat an entire box in one sitting. Wow. Are they like nostalgic for you? Is that part of it uh I I guess they are nostalgic because I've been eating them since I was a little kid but I've just always loved them I can just like and they're like air you know they melt in your mouth yeah yeah I'm a big fan of um honey buns oh you stick them on the microwave for like eight seconds it's so good (laughs) my high school had honey buns in the vending machines and they were like 50 cents or a dollar and I would eat one a day and it was amazing that I could eat a honey bun every single day and like be a twig basically (laughs) uh the gifts of youth (laughs) yeah Although all bodies are good bodies, so... It's true. Yeah. It's true. This is a rough time of year for that kind of thing, for sure. Yeah, if you experience any kind of body dysmorphia or body image issues, this is, like, rough, rough yeah. time. But, but there's, no, there's no food issues in the book that we're going to be reading. No, for sure. There's plenty of baked goods, and I was just so here for it. So... I think you're the one who stumbled upon this novella, right? I think that we both saw it. So I'd seen it bopping around. And this is a writer who I've been interested in for a while and haven't gotten around to. And then we were specifically looking for holiday novels. And you sent me an article with some options. And Mm. this one, we both were like, hell yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
It's got everything. Like, if we're going to channel, um, what's his name? <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, that character from SNL that you did. Oh, he talks about, like, the Stefan. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got everything. Mm-hmm. Baking, Dominicana heroes, Christmas, forced proximity. It's only got it one all. bed. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, there's only one bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh Scotland, a castle. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. It's basically like trope bingo <laughs> and setting yeah. bingo. Uh yeah. so the book that we are reviewing is called Mangoes and Mistletoe, and it's by my cousin Adriana Herrera. Not really. She's not really my cousin, but I do have a cousin with that exact same name. Wow. Mm-hmm. You and... love to try to trick people into thinking celebrities are related to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's like a hobby of yours. <laughs> it is a hobby of mine, and I've successfully fooled people, people multiple times, so... <laughs> Because you stay committed to it. Like, you don't break character. And it's very convincing. I would be such a good con artist. (laughs) All right. I will put a note in the back of my mind with fear that you will con me one day. (laughs) Watch out. I'm playing a long game on you, man. (laughs) The long con. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm hoping you did a synopsis because I didn't type one out. And unless I type it out, it's like a meandering, rambling mess. So (laughs) I didn't type one out, but I've got this. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm forgetting the character's last name. This novel is told in first person, alternating point of view. One of the narrators is Kiskeya. She is a baker who has been in the United States for several years. She emigrated from the Dominican Republic and she is very business minded. She's very serious. She's very closed mm-hmm. off. And she has been dreaming of entering this baking competition for years. And she finally got in. It's a baking reality show. And the competition is going to take place in Scotland. It kind of feels a little bit like the Great British Baking Show meets Chopped. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, because because it's like, like cuddly. Right. Yes. But they do have the three challenge kind of structure of like the technical, the signature, and then there's like a surprise one. Mm-hmm. So she enters this competition and she does not want to get distracted. She has uh, really life altering reasons for wanting to win this competition. And she meets is immediately crazy attracted to and mm-hmm. gets paired up with. And the whole book, I was pronouncing it Sully Morales, mm-hmm. but the later tidbit about. Kiskeya saying her name with Spanish pronunciation makes mm-hmm. me think that it's Suji. Maybe Suli or Suji because the double Suji. L sound can make a sort of Y sound. Mm. Uh, but for purposes of this recording, I'm going to go with Sully because okay. I think it's what a lot of readers will automatically jump to if they're English speakers. Mm-hmm. And because I'm not 100% sure on the Spanish pronunciation. So if anyone knows, let us know. Um, yeah. So she is very different from Kiskeya. She is loud and colorful and charismatic and wants to chat with everyone. And she immediately starts flirting with Kiskeya. And Kiskeya is un comfortable (laughs) she yeah it's good she is like next level just like (laughs) like she is so nervous around sully and then mean to her and just like yeah if i were sully i after one conversation been like okay you're super weird yeah and like repressed yeah <laughs> but what I'm laughing so much when you're talking about like how she flirts with Kiskea to make her super uncomfy and I have this quote highlighted because uh, I read on my <clears throat> iPad this is from Sully's perspective I leaned in and whispered in a low voice 
I might have to copy from your homework later. She, <laughs> pract- she practically jumped in her seat and suddenly all I wanted to do was lure Kiskeya to me like a wary kitten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Sully is like a huge flirt and a huge troll and mm-hmm. Kiskeya has a rolling pin up her ass. <laughs> Nice. So she, so they get paired up, and Sully immediately wants to incorporate Caribbean flavors into the competition. And Sully does not want to do that because she does not want to get pigeonholed, and she's had negative experiences with trying to bring her culture into her work and people not responding well to it. So yeah, she's she, been burned before. So she has too much riding on this competition to try to like wave the Dominican pride because mm. she needs to extend her work visa. And right. if she wins the competition, then she also wins an apprenticeship. Yeah. At a place that she's really, really been dying to get into. Yeah. So her dream job and her ability to stay in this country when her family was not happy about her coming out. Right. They're all riding on this competition and she can't afford to get distracted by a hot lady. Yeah, this isn't spelled out exactly um, in the course of the novella, but it's kind of implied that she's been burned by romantic relationships in a work setting before. Oh, Did you pick up on that? I didn't. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. It just seemed like she was talking about how boundaries had been crossed and she'd been burned by that. I think that that's very possible because why would she go in thinking like, okay, don't let anyone distract me if, yeah, if this hadn't happened before. So I think that's a good observation. And she even says over and over again that America's next top model. I'm like, I'm not here to make friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So slowly, I mean, as slowly as a novella taking place over the course of one week can be, Sully gets Hiskeya to go with some of her ideas because the first competition that they do, they don't go with those ideas and they see other bakers doing very well with the judges by incorporating ethnic flavors. Mm -hmm. Right. So Sully's kind of like, I told you so. And they start bringing Dominican flavors into their bakes. There is one group in the competition that is set up as the antagonist from the beginning. There are two women named Becca. So (laughs) the Beccas, Kiskeya suspects that they have been cheating. Yeah. And that they've been copying what other bakers have done, which is a cheating strategy doesn't make sense to me. No, because and I want they to unpack would this. have to do it better. Yeah. Which it seems like it'd be more of an advantage to, to do something different. Like you wouldn't want to be doing the same thing as someone else because then that lends itself to being compared much more directly. Yeah. So I don't understand how this works. I, I mean, like, the only time that it would have worked was in that last competition where they let their competitors know, oh, we're doing this thing mm-hmm. that is your idea. And then forcing the competitors into having to come up with something else because they don't want to be compared. Right, right. But but that's just, it's not a strategy that makes a lot of logical sense to me. No. And you know what? <laughs> when I was reading it, that did not jump out to me. <laughs> but now that you say it, I'm like... Yeah, of course. How would that be helpful at all? Yeah, I mean, clearly they're not creative because they can't come up with their own ideas. Yeah. But, you know, if you can't come up with your own ideas, how are you going to, like you said, execute someone else's idea? Yeah. Yeah. That they put more thought into. Right, and probably have experience with or they wouldn't be picking it. Yeah. So Sully and Kiskeya make it to the last round of competition. But before this, they uh, finally crossed the line and they hooked up and they spend all their time baking and working hard together in the competition and then making sweet, sweet love back in their one bed in the castle. (laughs) But toward the end in the last competition, Kiskeya gets distracted and leaves her notebook with all their sort of schematics for their final bake which is going to be a sugar snow globe with a santa sleigh it's just like 
this incredibly elaborate thing. Mm -hmm. It's very clear that the Beccas are going to steal this from them. And they do. So Sully and Kiskeya have to, at the last minute, come up with something totally different. And Kiskeya freaks out because, like we said, everything has been riding on this competition. And now she's like, all this preparation goes out the door. What am I going to do? Is kind of mean to Sully about how Sully distracted her. Right. And this is when she finally reveals everything that's riding on the competition and Sully right. is both hurt by being kind of blamed for all of this and hurt that Kiskeya didn't confide in her what was really going on because of course she would have taken things more seriously right. if she knew how important this was. Right. It, it was totally unfair on Kiskeya's part mm-hmm. to not communicate that with her and then kind of blame her for the situation. Yeah. I think that this is something that I've noticed so much in the most upsetting interactions that I have in real life with people and in romance where like you blow up at someone for something that they didn't know because you didn't tell them. Yeah, right, right. Or or a problem that is created because you weren't upfront about something. Yeah. So... Sully's like, okay, it's just going to be all business from here on out. And they win the competition. She packs her stuff while Kiskeya is getting a job offer from that fancy bakery. And she decides that she doesn't want it because she doesn't want to have to hide her culture anymore. Because this chef immediately comes to her and says, like, oh, you you respect the classics. Right, right. And it's very much like... She knows that she's going to have to fit into a box that she now doesn't want to anymore because she realizes from working with Sully how good it feels to be herself and bring her culture into the thing that she's passionate about. Right. So she goes back to the room and realizes that Sully is gone and the novel ends with, the novella ends with a Grand romantic gesture, which we're going to talk about, where Kiskeya shows up on Christmas Eve with all apologies, and she says that she is moving to New York, and she turned down the job on the West Coast so that she could take the job in New York, and she wants to court Sully. And I really liked that this scene, Sully was like, I already know why you're here. This is groveling. Yes, you're groveling. You're gro- <laughs> this is the grand gesture. And I love that because everyone has seen a romantic comedy. Everyone right. knows how this works. So she's like, okay, obviously you're here because you want me back. So, like, lay it on the table. State you're your case. Right. We right. don't have all day. I appreciated that. Like, mm-hmm. this is one of those rare instances where the grand gesture doesn't go over, like, a big wet fart with me because it's like, Okay, maybe I wouldn't have, like, structured it as a grand gesture myself because I think that's the kind of thing you should communicate about because Mm -hmm. the whole time Sully was, like, just so fucking sad. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, it's a grand gesture. She coordinated with Sully's mom to do it, and she's already done the work, like, leading up to that point. Like, she's already made the life changes, um, you know, like she turned down that job. She's moving to New York. She's not like just promising I will do this in the future. So I, I don't know. I appreciated that. And then I appreciated also that Sully was like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know what you're here to do, but tell me what happens after this. Yeah. And it's the conversation that you and I are always like, have this conversation. It's so important. They're doing it. So I appreciate that. Yes. And the reasons why this didn't go over as a big wet fart for you are the reasons it did go over as a big wet fart for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was so surprised that you were not like 100% in on this because I really, really was. (laughs) I... I we we're gonna get to it in the grievances because I've thought about this a lot and it has cemented something for me that I dislike. But um and then the epilogue is one year later and they are 
happily engaged. They are one day engaged and they are doing amazingly in their professional careers. Sully's family has embraced Kiskeya with open arms and Mm. they're just very happy and sweet and adorable. And there's lots of very sweet Spanish endearments thrown around that warm my heart and they live happily ever after. Yeah, and they're both successful in their professional lives. Mm-hmm. Like they're succeeding separately from each other. Yeah, um, in that way. Yay! Yeah. Yay! All right. So, tell me what you loved about this. So, I I can agree with one of your grievances that we've already talked about, which is that it's a little slow getting into it, mm-hmm. especially for a piece that's so short. Mm-hmm. But once I was into it, I was, like, 100% here for it. Like, I loved all the baking stuff. I loved how she described all the different types of pastries they were doing and the flavors that they were using. I was really worried that she was kind of just going to gloss over the actual baking parts of things. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, like, I don't know, especially when there's, like, a niche Uh, field or industry that one of the characters is in it feels lightly researched and like there's some mistakes but this was not that way like I I didn't catch anything that seemed off about her describing what they were doing baking wise so I appreciate that um and that's me okay I was just going to say that that is super cool to hear because it all sounded so yummy to me but yeah. I am not a baker the way that you are so it's not something that I would really understand if it would work logistically so for the layman reader it would be fine so it's cool to hear that for someone who actually understands baking that you felt like she did her research yeah I felt like it was legit there were a couple of like ways that she described some pastries like texturally that I might not have described them that way but that could just be like an individual you know, interpretation. I don't think Mm -hmm. it was any, like, an issue. Yeah. Um, And then I felt like that this story did what we wished Happiest Season should have done. Mm -hmm. Like, the conflicts in your relationship have actually very little to do with being gay. Mm -hmm. And the subject of coming out doesn't even come up between them until more than halfway through the novella. Yeah. So... That was, like, part of it because it was part of especially Kiskea's, you know, experience and and personal issues. But that wasn't – that wasn't what was standing between the two main characters. And it wasn't a plot point, really. Yeah. We knew about Kiskea's background as having struggled after she came out in the DR and her family not being super accepting of it. And we know a little bit about how Sully's father was kind of – slower to come around but mm-hmm. her family clearly supports her um her father no longer being living her mother being 100 percent like about her daughter's Amazing. happiness yeah so yeah. so cool her mom reminded me of my mom a little bit yeah yeah um just kind of the nosiness and the unwavering support but also the bossiness I don't know. I might have been projecting a lot of my mom into that because there really wasn't that much of the mom. But the fact that, like, the mom was texting Kiskea and they had their Uh own, like, dynamic, that was interesting. Um, I don't think you're projecting those attributes onto her. I I feel like that's how she was described. Yeah. Anything else that you loved? Well, um, let's see. We already talked about the grand gesture, which... I liked it. <laughs> you did not. Um, I thought that the sex scenes were mm, mm-hmm, so good. Mm-hmm. And we even get another one sprinkled into the epilogue, which I was like, yay, one more. Yep. Um, they were just incredible. Like, they worked for me. I'll, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah. Thank you. They were very Thank good. Thank you, Adriana Herrera. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also appreciated that, like, there was – like colloquial Spanish like sprinkled throughout the book and I had to look a lot of things up and like look a lot of um dishes up that they use as flavor inspiration because I just didn't know about them so I got to learn some stuff yeah that's fun I how about you 
jumping off of that, I kind of love that she didn't immediately translate everything that it was in Spanish. It was like, Google is free. Yeah. You can look it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoy when writers do that. Uh, I loved all the baking scenes. Um, I loved the nuances of the Dominican immigrant experience and how it isn't universal. So Sully spent most of her life in the United States. I, I can't remember if she was born in the DR or not. Um, uh, I can't remember either. But she, but she's very Americanized. So she, like, Dominican culture to her is something that is exciting and that she's proud of. But she didn't, she wasn't as steeped in it as Kiskeya was. It's kind of like, right. you always want to move away from your hometown, even mm-hmm. if it's a place that other people love. Yeah. Like, I grew up somewhere that people go on vacation and retire to, and I couldn't wait to get the fuck out. Yeah. So, yeah. Kiskeya has a much more complicated relationship with her culture than uh, Sully does. And Sully is a little bit closer to how Dominicans are generally portrayed, where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, if a Dominican is around, it's a party. Yeah. And she's kind of a clown and she has this big personality and Kiskeya is much more subdued. She does not fit a stereotype. And I like how she's very aware of like, she doesn't want to fit a stereotype. It's not just her personality. There's also some, you know, upsetting reasons behind why she is subdued. Uh, And I, I can relate to that because I feel like, Growing up, I was more like Kiskeya, where Mm -hmm. I was very concerned about not fitting into a stereotype. And I am now a lot more like Sully in the sense that my culture is something that I am more connected to and more proud of. And I don't really worry too, too much, not the way that I used to, about getting stereotyped. Or, like, yeah. changing my personality because of parts of my personality that do align with a stereotype. If that makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that's something that just came with, like, getting older? Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this a little bit when we reviewed Never Have I Ever. Mm-hmm. How people were telling the main character, you know, when you're younger, you're really embarrassed by being Indian and you want to be as un-Indian as possible. And then you get older and you realize that your culture is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have some highlights from that sort of section where they're having that conversation about mm-hmm. it. Do you care if I read them? Absolutely. This is Kiskeya speaking. She said, the DR is not an ancestral home. I went to for a few weeks in the summer. Mm-hmm. It's where I lived my whole life, you know, and even though I love it, I also know I had to leave it. I couldn't be my full self there, not really. I haven't been gone long enough to romanticize some of the stuff that was hard. Mm-hmm. And she calls herself a defective Dominican at one point, I think, because she doesn't, like, fit the stereotype. And in some ways that's, like, hard, and in some ways that's what she's been trying to do. Yeah, but... I, I've yeah. literally been called a defective Dominican. <laughs> I've really yeah. is that like a thing people say I, it might be I've been told like what kind of Dominican are you because you don't like this food or because you don't know how to dance to this kind of music I've heard that and it's been like from my family but also hmm. um from people of other Latinx cultures who meet me and I'm oh, not really? necessarily what they envision when they think of a Dominican Mm-hmm. It's like to white people, I'm so Dominican, and to Dominican people, I'm a white girl. Hmm. Yeah, I I feel like to greater and lesser extent, a lot of us can kind of like relate to that feeling of, of like you don't quite fit into either camp that you're supposed to fit into. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's more acute for some people and some experiences than others. Yeah. And it's different. It's different for everyone. Everyone has these intersections that complicate their identity. Yeah. Uh, 
And the psychology and transformation of Kiskeya, I thought, were really on point. It made sense to me how she got to where she ended up at the end Mm. of the book and the transformation that she made. And I liked that the realization of, like, the big lesson that she learned from this, it was stated in the book, but not in a, I learned something today way. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just felt like it was really well done like her actions showed the transformation versus it just being spelled out that is that what that, you mean but also i feel like it was spelled out but it was spelled out in a way that made sense like okay. like the realization would have naturally come from the experience that she had where she's like right. what is the point of working so hard if i'm gonna be miserable yeah right did you have any other things that you liked about it? Uh, I also like that it addressed a little bit of the prejudices against the LGBTQ community without it being a coming out story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. And it was also funny, and I felt like um, I had trouble with knowing which character was talking at first, but later in the book, I felt like their voices became really distinctive. I I fully agree with that. There were a few times at the beginning, especially where I had to like flip back to the first page of the chapter. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But yeah, I got it. It was kind of that way for the plot too for me. Like it just took me a minute to get into it. Yeah, because it started out with a lot of exposition, with both of them kind of having the same reaction to the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like, they were at that buffet at the hotel for, like, a really long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so do you want to get into some of your lengthy grievances? I feel like we're doing, like, a Freaky Friday Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny, because when we were reading this book, do you remember what you said to me? No, I say a lot of things to you. <laughs> we do. Okay, you said there were parts of this where I felt like... The- under a pseudonym oh yeah <laughs> there was one part let me just find my note really quick um the, <laughs> we're the carol danvers and maria rambo of the baking world i was I like screamed. i screamed, screamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i just there were so many things about it that i was like oh yeah this is so liz oh yeah she she loves when characters do this kind of thing i don't know i just thought it, you would vibe with it a lot more than you did <laughs> I am writing a book with some similar themes as this Mm -hmm. before I even heard of this book. So there are parts of this that I was like, yes, immediately on board with. Yeah, like some of the the fandom references. Mm -hmm. And I I just felt like some of the things that Sully would say, I could hear in your voice. Mm -hmm. And just like some of her personality quirks, I... I don't know. It just reminded me of you, I guess. Yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. So my, I really only have two grievances. My first grievance is not, is something that I've realized that I don't like about the genre. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about my problems with grand gestures. And Meg's problems with grand gestures. I don't like the trope of making life altering decisions Based off a one-week relationship. Okay. Okay. We we see that a lot in romance. Yeah. And we see it specifically in Christmas romances and holiday romances. So, can, it makes sense that it would show up here. Can I throw, like, an alternate interpretation of that at you? Sure. I, sure. I cannot believe how, like, positive and optimistic I'm about to be. But, like... When you it- say when you know you know... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say, like, a version of that. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you ever... Well, especially, I feel like, when I was younger, more so now as I'm heading into my 30s, like, had a profound experience with another person where you felt very connected with them, even if it was just over a short length of time. Yes, but I also had dumb (laughs) bitch-itis. And I think that they're related. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm not saying it's like the best way to make decisions. And it's not like the way that I typically have made decisions. But I can understand that like 
you can have a, a soul soul connection with somebody that's like pretty quick and they have so much in common it's not like they have to to like cross oceans to to connect with each other do you know what i mean except for the fact that she had to go to a different coast of the country yeah i mean i feel like <laughs> i feel like it shouldn't have been a situation where she was showing up in person and it was the first that Sully was hearing about it. Like, I think that is not the right way to go about it. But some people like the grand gesture. Okay, sure. I'm a hopeless romantic, but if I had met and fallen for someone in a week, Mm -hmm. even if I was heartbroken about them, if they showed up on my doorstep and said that they had moved across the country for me... Yeah. And that it was a done deal. That's a stalker situation. That's scary. That's a lot of pressure. That's intense. Yes, she said, may I court you? But why couldn't it have been a phone call where she said, I can take the job in New York? Yeah. Is this, if I do this, no pressure, but I would like the opportunity to court you. And okay. if, oh, go ahead. And if you know you're not into it, I I might still take the job anyway. I don't want you to feel like you are making me make a decision. I am making this de- decision. I am informing you of it. You are. I would love to be with you, but if you don't want that, that's okay. But just like doing the thing, yeah. After a week, that's a lot. Yes, it is. I I do feel like Kiskea was was making the right decision for her regardless of if Sully agreed. Yeah. She definitely but, was. So I have I have two things I want to throw at you. One is it's kind of like a stereotype in the lesbian community to be like you hauling. We're we're immediately together. We're on our first date discussing the names of our children like that like in it in it. So I don't know if it's, like, that crazy. They really had a strong connection. Women are very efficient, yes. So maybe point, point that in the cultural context, maybe this is okay. And then the other thing is, this is a question for you, which is if the book sort of ends, so we still would have the epilogue as we have it, but instead of her showing up in person, if it is a phone call, uh, is that like a satisfying ending for you as a reader versus the showing up grand gesture? What if we compromise and it was the phone call and then like look out your window? <laughs> <laughs> if we did that trope. So so she only would reveal that she was outside her window. You know when you say it like that, it sounds creepy, babe. <laughs> <laughs> but if Sully was like, no, I'm, I'm not here for it. She wouldn't reveal that she was outside her window like a stalker. Correct. She would slink off. Okay. Or she would say, I am in New York right now. I can meet you at this place at this time if you want. If not, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, there's just a lot. It is a After lot. a week. Like, I, if it were, <laughs> if it were a month, if they've been on a reality baking show for a month, yeah. I feel like that would felt less less wild to me. But I don't know. I've just I've become practical in my old age. <laughs> no, I I think it's one of those things that like works in a romance novel or movie for me because we are led to believe we understand fully the intentions of the characters. But like if it was translated to real life, it would absolutely not be cool or appropriate yeah so so that's my thing and then my second one was um in my own writing I have struggled to move away from this but I Hmm. don't like one-dimensional female villains (gasps) that's one of my grievances too yeah I mean literally their only character traits are their names are Rebecca right and they Their like names social are Rebecca, media. They like social media and they are conniving. 
Yeah, it it really they fell flat for me totally. Yeah, and but I I don't know that they had to do a lot of work. Like, right. Maybe they could have done just like a little bit less. Like they could have just been bitchy competitors and stressing them out instead of being like I don't know cheating. I guess. Yes, and they're literally non entities. Like the fact that they both have the same name. Like yes, it's funny, yeah. but it's also like yeah, and they we didn't really. They're just a tangential villain. They're they're just like a, a complication in the contest to try to like up the tension there. Mm-hmm. It's it, the real problems in the book are are in the interpersonal relationship between yeah. the two main characters. So like I that's fine, but I agree. Yeah, I don't love that. Yeah, this is a pretty low angst book with some high stakes, but the high stakes are not on display the whole time. Right. Yeah. I feel like I have not, I have not read that many novellas, but I have been kind of like searching around for different ones and reading reviews. And it seems like a common thing that there's very low stakes, low tension mm-hmm. in novellas. It's a, it's a good like sweet spot. Hmm. Okay. Um, one book that going back to the grand gesture thing and like, how do you end the, this in a satisfying way? One novella where I felt like it ended in a way that made sense to me and didn't feel too rushed was Can't Escape Love by Alyssa Cole. Have you read that yet? No, I haven't. Okay, so I won't spoil it for you because it's really good and I know you like Alyssa Cole, but that book is so delicious and sweet and cute and geeky and uh, the black moment is short and quickly Hmm. resolved and it doesn't end with like a wedding or a baby or moving in together I don't think it but it ends in a way that like you know that they're going to be together and it makes sense for the relationship that's been established throughout the book is it a spinoff of the reluctant royals it is it's with Portia's twin sister oh okay yeah cool the one who has the uh geek website girls yeah. in glasses so yeah. it, Ooh, definitely okay. recommend that one and it's so oh, fast yeah. okay that'll be next on my reading list do you have any other grievances um well my main one was with the beccas um and then this is not really a grievance just kind of like a note for people who might be picking this up to read it um i don't really know how novellas are often published it seems like they're like self-edited self-published maybe but this was just a book where I, I kind of cut it a little bit of grace mm-hmm. that it could have benefited from a little bit of extra editing. Yeah. Um, there were a few times when, like, the action of the characters didn't quite line up with how, like, the scene had been described, mm-hmm. like, their placement in the room, that kind of thing. But that wasn't – that didn't take away from the experience for me, really. Yeah, I noticed that, too. So – I feel like I know already what you're going to say, and I agree with you, but do you have a worse half of this pairing? Oh, I hadn't even thought of it. Okay. Um, I feel like you've already kind of said it, though. I guess he's gay up because you, if you are going through the world projecting your psychological baggage onto everyone else, onto people who, like, don't even know you... Then that's yeah. a problem. I think Sully even said something like, you know, she needs to deal with it in therapy like the rest of us. She does. She does. And I was like, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> to quote you from our last episode, twice a week, bitch. Twice a week, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So um, just like she wasn't kind to people. No. And that's, she's my worst half. Yeah. But not like, I don't feel really strongly about same. that. And I, I identify with her a lot. Yeah, same. Like, a lot. But her, her anxiety makes her crabby, mm-hmm. which is like the story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and she has a complicated relationship with her roots and past experiences and taught her to be wary about boundaries and these are all things that like I have personally experienced and mm-hmm. you know way into my life so I want to like so give her the benefit of the doubt but she is just like downright not nice to Sully at times when Sully is really 
only ever genuine and nice to her. Like, she teases her a little bit flirtatiously, but it's because they have this, like, crackling sexual tension. Yeah. I'll give give it to Kiskeya that Sully came on a little strong. And, like, let's say, like, this isn't a romance. This is just, like, we're watching a professional setting happen. If If yeah. someone hits on you in a professional setting and you're very clearly not into it and yeah. you know it's it's not the venue to do it anyway but it happens you know like people date their co-workers sure. all the time but like yeah. you if you lean in that direction and the other person leans away then you stop sure that's called sexual harassment yeah so <laughs> did did some of the things that sully said to kiskeya that were suggestive reach into the realm of sexual harassment we don't want to say that because we like sully but you could make the case so you know that's true so kiskeya wasn't totally wrong by being like you're a lot and i'm here to work yeah so so i can i can see it from kiskeya's point of view too so it's like it's not a worst half that i feel strongly about either yeah, I fully agree. I didn't even really, because I liked Sully so much off the bat, I didn't really ever frame it in that light. But it's, again, one of those things where it's like, we know, we have access to the inner world of the character, so mm-hmm. we understand their intentions. Exactly. Um, so it's okay, but, like, if it happened in real life, it would totally be not okay. <laughs> yeah, and there are writers who, I feel like Adriana Herrera did the best that she could have done with that situation and with showing us the character's intentions but um I struggle with kind of workplace things anyway like uh, again with Alyssa Cole's Reluctant Royals series the Duke by default that was a boss romance and you know that I didn't love that aspect of it and it was addressed on the page the sort of complicated dynamic and, right and you know she did that well but she didn't like hide it she addressed it head on and it's still not my favorite thing and I love that book no. I know I love that book so much but that's that book will always stand out to me as one that I was just so into and the grand gesture at the end I absolutely hate <laughs> I loved that one because it was ridiculous inappropriate it made me so mad because that again is like crossing into her professional realm and uh, putting someone really really on the spot in a very public way in the most without having without having all of the discussions anyway this is not an episode about that book but it makes me so mad yeah anyway okay i'm done now shutting up no you're good okay uh so do you have a fan cast? I do, but I'm not like, I'm not proud. Okay, tell me. <laughs> tell me your fan cast. Okay, my my fan casting for Kiskeya is uh, Zoe Saldana. Okay. And then for Sully is Dasha Polan- Polanco. Okay. Um, who I loved in Russian Doll. Um, but again, I'm not like, I'm not proud. I didn't have... Normally when I'm reading a romance, especially now that we're doing this podcast, I'm trying to like picture actors in my head for when I'm reading. And I truly did not do that for this book. Yeah. I just like had fictional people in my imagination. Um, but I, you showed me one of yours and I thought it was really good. Yeah. So I think that Zoe and Dasha are good choices and I, I, think that Dasha could play either you know like I could see her playing Mm. the more serious character based off of her and she was in Orange is the New Black right yes yeah so I could see her as Kiskeya too but my picks uh for Kiskeya I would cast Dania Ramirez and I'm not familiar she was in Heroes she was in the last season of Once Upon a Time she played a version of Cinderella Oh, I see her. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel like she can play, especially her Once Upon a Time character was very serious, very work-minded, dealing with a lot of, like, surviving in this country stress. 
so I could see her as Kiskeya. And then for Sully, I pictured Julissa Calderon. And Julissa, she was on BuzzFeed. She was in their Pero Like series, which is focused mm-hmm. on Latinx people. And she was one of their, like, two token Dominicans. So she is <laughs> so funny, so charismatic, uh, big Sully vibes. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see a preview of what she's like as an actress, there is a series of videos that Better Like did called The Real Housewives of the Dominican Republic. <laughs> and it was one of the funniest things that I've ever watched. <laughs> and I, she's an up-and-coming actress. She has been inducted into the little Eva Longoria Latina Power Hour brunch group. Which is like that that's how you know you've arrived if you're a Latina <laughs> actress in Hollywood that you get invited to the Eva Longoria brunches. <laughs> so when I saw the picture of Julissa there, I was like, Yes, Julissa, secure the bag and also I hope I hope that you said something to Gina Rodriguez about herself. I hope you told <sighs> Gina about herself. Yeah. That was such a hard like, God. Loss, uh, <laughs> loss of respect for me. Uh, anyway. Okay. Those are really good. Let's give Fan Gina castings. the grace to learn. Yeah. Yeah. We all have dumb okay. sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, we do. It's contagious. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, do you have an honorable sizzle uh, for this one? Some sad characters you want to know more about? I want to know more about Alex and the Viking tatted baker, whose name I can't remember. I think his name was Alex Derek. and Derek. I can look it up. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's the obvious sort of answer because like their romance is kind of teased in this novella mm-hmm. and I'm obviously rooting for Gustavo and I think it's Kauri or Kaori. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally certain um they when they first meet it's like Gustavo is supposed to be giving her eyes so I feel like that's sort of implied too but I have a kind of controversial okay one, which is I would like to know more about the Becca's just because they were not portrayed as actual people. So I kind of like it when you have a character that's painted as a villain in one book and then you dive more into them in another Mm -hmm. book and then they get like some more depth and some more empathy. So I agree. uh, I don't think that that's a controversial choice. Well, they just, they sucked so bad. Yeah. (laughs) They sucked so bad, but you also want to know like, what is their deal? Yeah, yeah. Like, presumably they were just meeting at this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and we didn't talk about that aspect of the competition either, which is, like, they have pair home bakers with professional bakers, which I thought was kind of mm-hmm. interesting and would probably lead to some tensions. Yeah. And good TV. So I, I would watch that show. Oh, wait. There sure. was something about the reality competition aspect that I kind of had a grievance with, which was they mentioned that they weren't allowed to have phones in studio And I don't know if this has changed since the earlier days of the real world where, like, on 9-11, the real world characters, like, they had to bring them in a TV to show them what was happening on the news because they had no TVs anywhere. They had no phones because they try to isolate the people from the outside world as much as possible to create drama. So I wonder, in these modern reality shows and competition shows do they have access to their phones or not mm. yeah that's a good question i have no idea because i i'm pretty sure i don't watch the bachelor but i'm pretty sure that for i've heard that for the bachelor they can't tell their families anything until the finale airs. so like they come back home and you don't know like are you engaged like Wow, that would be crazy. Yeah, so I had a grievance with that because I don't know how accurate it was to how these shows are produced now. And there weren't any kind of, like, confessionals. And there wasn't even, like, a... The cameras were not 
mentioned. Like, I did not see a camera. I feel like I kept waiting for, like, the cameras are going to catch them in the act. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, some, some like, overly familiar, like, touching between the two of them mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, they and they briefly mentioned doing, like, wardrobe and makeup. It really was just kind of tangential that it was being mm-hmm. filmed, it seems. Yeah, so that was but. something that I noticed. Um, do you have anything that you want to close out with? Um, you have a recipe, and I can do a reading. Yeah, let's okay. do that. So this was – this recipe, I, um, I think it's from their final – like their showstopper, but I, I can't quite remember. But they use coquito flavors mm-hmm. in one of their bakes, and I had to look up what that was. And it's sort of like a Puerto Rican version of mm-hmm. eggnog. And um, I've actually this year been seeing like a lot of different, um, like different country specific sort of versions of eggnog. But um, I'm lightly allergic really? to eggs and I also didn't feel like tempering them to make like the custard creme anglaise thing so I found an egg-free version of this drink on the spruce eats website and it was so so easy and so delicious it's you take one can of cream of coconut I usually use like coco lopez one can of evaporated milk one can of sweetened condensed milk and then you can do a splash of coconut extract which is what I wish that I had done I didn't have any but I I wanted to up the coconut Mm -hmm. flavor a little bit um you can use vanilla extract I used almond extract in mine and it was delish and then you do one quarter teaspoon each of cinnamon cloves and nutmeg and in their recipe, they have you add the white rum to it when you put it in a blender to blend mm-hmm. it all together, um, which is 12 ounces of white rum. I That's what I did, but I wish that I had kept that on the side because I'm like, I have one glass of this stuff and I'm like sauced. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, um, uh, I don't know if it's just like me in my old age or if that's just like a lot of rum. But anyway, you put it all in a blender, blend it up. And then you chill it for at least an hour because they tell you to serve it super duper cold. And it's like what I always want eggnog to be. It's like not quite as thick and cloying. It's just like it's so good. It's got all those spices. So it tastes like the holidays to me. I love the little bit, like hint of coconut flavor. It's just delicious. And so my recommendation would be to leave the booze on the side. That way you can have some without if you wish, or control the amount of rum that you have in it. But it makes, you know, like a big jar of it. So I've just kept it in the fridge. It's supposed to be good for five days. And then I just have been helping myself all weekend long. That sounds so good. I'm getting my grocery pickup order ready. So if you want to send me that link. Oh, yeah, I will. It's it's delicious. All right. So how are you going to do your reading this time? Okay. So this time I am doing a Celtic crossbred, but I'm doing a modified one. I've never done this before. I am... It seems appropriate for them to be in Scotland and then you're doing like a... Oh, look at that. I hadn't even thought about that. So a Celtic (laughs) crossbred is a 10-card spread. It's a lot more detailed than the spreads that I've been doing for our episodes. Mm -hmm. I modified this because there are two people in the equation. So there are two spots that I think lend themselves to describing the individual in the reading. So for those two spots, I pick two cards. So in the first position, it is where things stand, the situation, the significator of the person in the reading. So for Kiskea, I pulled the Nine of Cups, which is the wish card. This is the goal that Kiskea has been working toward for years. She only has one shot. She can't Mm. miss her chance to blow. So like, things that she could be getting her wildest dreams and that is what this card brings up for me with her and for Sully I pulled the Empress the Empress is about sensual pleasure it's about enjoying the physical realm Hmm. it's about being at one with your sensuality and 
enjoying things, being very nurturing. All those things come up for me with Sully. For sure. The obstacle or influence that is crossing them, I pulled the Four of Wands. And the Four of Wands is a card that can represent celebration, coming together. I see it as the competitive aspect and the fact that they win the competition. Yeah. Then for background, I see the Queen of Pentacles card. The Queen of Pentacles is about financial prosperity, about security in the material realm. Mm -hmm. I think that that speaks to the prize money. Sure. And to... If you're looking at their relationship from the end of the book moving forward, they are both in a place of abundance and success. Right. For sure. Their businesses are thriving. Mm-hmm. In the recent past, I pulled the moon card. The moon is about intuition and things that are hidden. Fears. Um, Getting in touch with your wild side is the meaning that I most associate with the moon. So this is a card that people often dislike. And I've never understood that because to me, the moon is like diving into the depths. Hmm. Okay. And I think that Kiskeya in particular had to dive into the depths and face her past, face the things that she was afraid of and come out of that experience more integrated with her wild side. And I say that because, you know, she becomes more passionate and more connected to her passions and to her roots. Yeah, I can see that. At the beginning of the book. Uh, In the position of what could be on the horizon, I got the Four of Pentacles. The Four of Pentacles, in the deck that I'm using, I'm using the Golden Thread Tarot deck. This is portrayed by a pig wearing a suit and holding four <laughs> coins. So this card can represent holding on to your possessions super tightly. It can be being a miser, a penny pincher. It can be greed. It can also be just being really careful about your finances. So I think that they are both very practical with their money. So I see it in the sense of they are always going to be cautious with their finances. Yeah, They are always going to try to make really careful decisions based off the experiences that they've had in the past. But when I look at the greed aspect, I also think of the Beccas and think about Mm. how their greed led them to compete in a way that wasn't fair. So both of these women are business owners and I would caution them in the future to be wary of ill-intentioned competitors and to really like double check any kind of agreements that they get into based off of their newfound fame. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. In the near future, I pulled the Knight of Cups. Knight of Cups is a message of love, a warrior for love. It's very romantic. It's Prince Charming or Princess Charming. And the knight in shining armor. And I think that they are going to have a really extended honeymoon period. (laughs) I think they're going to always have a lot of romance and sweet gestures in their relationship. I believe it. For the card that represents the Quarant's current attitude, I pulled the Hermit for Kiskeya, which is such a perfect card because she is someone who self-isolates so much. That's true. And has been very focused on this goal. And for Sully, I pulled the Six of Swords, which is leaving sorrow. And at first I didn't see how that relates to Sully, but she did have an ill parent who she was caring for for a while. And she's now trying to live her life and not worry that like, but what if she gets sick again? Right. So I see that for Sully in her position where she has to leave behind the things that she's afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. For environment, I pulled the two of cups. That is all about relationships and meaningful partnerships and connections and success in your partnerships. And clearly they are an amazing couple. 
So the environment that they're in is very supportive to their relationship. Yes. And they have the support of her family and all that too. Absolutely. They have a community around them. In the hopes and fears position, I pulled the nine of swords and that's the card of anxiety and bad dreams and staying up at night. Again, that could be business related. Running a business is really stressful. So they could have worries about making ends meet and what to do next with the business. They could have worries about Kiske as work visa. Yes. If she if she tries to become a citizen, that's a whole process. Right. And in the last position, which is outcome, I pulled the Emperor, which is another one of those cards that people have negative associations with. But in readings like this, I've taken the Emperor to represent a boss bitch and Mm. having control over your empire and defending the realm. So I think that that speaks to business success. It speaks to a successful partnership. It speaks to them protecting their people. Yeah, absolutely. Yay, that's a good one. Thank you. Well, thank you all for listening. We will put the link to the recipe in the show notes. And as always, make sure to follow us on Instagram at MakeoutAlreadyPod. Yeah, you got it. And on Twitter at Makeout underscore Already. Hooray! If you have any feedback for us, any recommendations for us, slide into our DMs or email us at MakeoutAlready at gmail.com. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that people can find the show. Yeah, subscribe. And then um, we will be posting about our upcoming episode. We have a very special episode that we will be sharing in January that we cannot wait for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But until then, air air kisses. kisses.